hereby duly declare the Centennial Convention of the NAACP duly open. Well, that is a little bit of Nina Simone and then the opening of the NAACP's 100th annual convention. I mean, you know, 100 years, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People has been championing civil rights. It's also been causing controversy, not just with people who are opposed to its mission, but people who actually support its mission. So this weekend, uh, the group kicked off six days of centennial celebrations and a special convention in New York City. You've got folks like Professor Cornell West, Reverend Jesse Jackson, President Obama paying tribute to the accomplishments of the organization. We're going to look back and forward at the NAACP's legacy and start with Melissa Harris-Lacewell, Associate Professor of Politics and African American Studies at Princeton University. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing great now. Um, what what can we do without a little organ music? But some people were going to have the funeral march for the NAACP over the past few years. You had, uh, you know, Bruce Gordon, uh, the president, stepped down over apparent disagreements with Julian Bond, who's the chairman. You had an interregnum where there was no president of the NAACP. Um, how is the organization faring at this moment? Well, it's certainly doing better uh, than in its most immediate uh, recent past. Ben Jealous is, I think, an exceptional young leader. Here is a young man in his mid-30s leading an organization where most of his members are a full generation older than him. Uh, I think the average age of NAACP dues-paying members is 55, and Ben, I think, is 36. So, um, you know, it's certainly doing better than it was sort of during a a period of leadership crisis, but it is still an organization that has not re-found its full identity um, that is in many ways still so important because of its history rather than what it is accomplishing in this moment. Now, when we talk about that history, um, give me a very specific example um, of what you think is the number one uh, achievement of the NAACP. That's hard. Um, I think you have to give me at least two, which is to say um, at least uh, to give me that at the the turn of the 20th century, uh, their work around anti-lynching efforts, um, efforts which in many ways marked what the NAACP's strategies would be because it led both a media-based campaign, a campaign to discuss with the U.S. president, uh, legislative efforts, and uh, efforts relative to uh, the Supreme Court, all around anti-lynching. And although they never passed the dire anti-lynching bill, those efforts changed what happens in courtrooms and protects uh, the rights of all accused against mob trials. And then, of course, in the middle of the century, the efforts of the NAACP's Legal Defense Fund around the desegregation of schools, most famously the 1954 uh, Brown v. Board education uh, decision. Those are huge legacy issues. But I'm wondering if if the identity problem that you identified, uh, Melissa, is is related to the NAACP's challenges in passing the torch to a whole new group of uh, leaders. That's uh, been a difficulty in, in the last 10 years, and I'm wondering if it's still a challenge today. Well, I think that the NAACP is part of a class of organizations that is uh, – in crisis at this sort of 21st century moment of politics. You know, what does it mean to think about outside agitation? What does it mean to think about advocacy um, in a sort of new political system that is more closed in many ways? So on the one hand, it's more open. Obviously, 
women have the franchise, African Americans have the franchise, Latinos have the franchise. You have far more people with the ability to participate. Uh, on the other hand, you have an enormous impact of moneyed interest in the political system that makes it harder for us to imagine exactly how sort of mass-based advocacy organizations uh, can do their work. And so the NAACP is in crisis in the way that many other organizations are. I think it's simply that that legacy, that 100-year legacy of how much they've accomplished, makes us want to see them sort of still on that up curve of doing more and more. Well, along the lines of what you're saying with access, uh, here's a little bit of Senator Charles Schumer speaking at the NAACP conference on Sunday night. Without the NAACP, Barack Obama would not be president of the United States. Eric Holder would not be attorney general of the United States. Colin Powell wouldn't have been Secretary of State. David Patterson wouldn't have been Governor of New York. And without the NAACP, Sonia Sotomayor, who you endorsed yesterday, would not be nominated to the Supreme Court. So spinning off of the Sotomayor comment, what's the ripple effect of the NAACP been on other people's rights, whether it's Latinos, women, gays and lesbians? Well, you know, certainly one way that one could think about the civil rights movement as a long movement, a movement that really begins in the 1880s as pressing against the first uh, Jim Crow efforts in the South all the way up until the 1980s around questions of employment and fair access to housing, uh, is that you see a number of groups use strategies, efforts, language that gets developed in the civil rights movement. So whether that's white women's feminist movements, whether that's um, black women's feminist movements, gay and lesbian rights movements, uh, the rights for uh, people with disabilities, all of those have been sort of part and parcel of this larger organizational effort uh, that emerges in the civil rights movement. But it's also true that each of those um, movements added and created and, and generated new ways of doing uh, of doing civil rights and social uh, social efforts as well. But there's there's no question the NAACP is a foundational organization, uh, which now has to ask itself: Is it mostly a legislative agitative uh, body? Is it mostly going to do work uh, through the courts? Is its goal to pressure uh, the White House and the executive branch? They simply haven't answered mm. those strategic questions well, yet. Well, uh, Melissa Harris Lacewell, associate professor of politics and African American studies at Princeton. Princeton University, you raised a really a central point. I mean, Barack Obama showed that his entire campaign was a mass movement that spanned a whole frame of issues. Um, it, it, in some sense, he's the competition. And, and I'm wondering if your view is that if the NAACP becomes a, a lobbying organization, more like a just an influence peddling organization like a lot of others in the United States, that its key mission uh, has 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 died in a sense. Uh I, I can't sort of buy the belief that the key mission of civil rights has died at any point, in part because the issue remains so important. Um, I do, however, think that the, the earlier question by Farai about how this uh, is related to broader access questions for Latinos, for gays and lesbians, for people with disabilities, is central to how the NAACP will need to think. In other words, race in this country is a very different question uh, in the 21st century than it was in the 
20th. And so efforts, whether they are lobbying or influence peddling or agitation or legal efforts, really have to be constructed in a new way. It's not just a black-white question. It's a much broader question of the marginalization of people with less money, less influence, uh, and obviously people who are racial minorities. If you could uh, predict what the NAACP will look like 100 years from now, um, or even if it's still around, you've got a good 20, 30 seconds to tell me. 100 years from now? I don't know. Uh, I can't even figure out if there will be Twitter 100 years from now. How could I possibly know whether or not the NAACP <laughs> will be around? But, you know, I guess what I'd say is every civil rights organization ultimately wants to die because the goal is to have uh, full equality. And if you have full equality, then your your institutional purpose is no longer important. And maybe, just maybe, we could imagine a, a reality where 100 years from now, uh, civil rights agitation is, is a thing of the past. All I right. doubt it, but it's possible. Wow. That's a lot to think about. Melissa Harris-Lacewell, Associate Professor of Politics and African-American Studies at Princeton. Thanks so much. We're going to be talking about the NAACP's legacy all week long. We'll be joined by music sensation DJ Spooky and poet Elizabeth Alexander. I'm John Hockenberry. I'm Farai Chidea, and this is The Takeaway. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.